Awesome. Okay, we'll, we'll get started. And um, yeah, we'll be able to keep chatting over, over, um, over dinner, which will be later. I think I've told this story before. One of my favorite Christmas stories is when I was teaching prep and I was too lazy to put up Christmas decorations. And this little girl who's like five years old came to me and said, if I give you some money, will you buy some Christmas decorations? <laughs> and we ended up putting them up after a while. <laughs> But cool. Um, yeah, if I haven't met you before, my name's Tim, and I'm just gonna we're gonna do this sermon a bit early in the the night tonight, and just have a bit more uh, worship response at the end, which would be great. Just give us a lot of time just to respond to um, yeah this message, and just spend time in worship after communion. And if you're just sort of coming in, um, we've been talking about the church vision, um, which we kind of released a new vision statement. Um, this is it. Um, you've probably been hearing it a bit. Um, it's quite a broad statement of why we exist as a church, um, and the kind of the goal is that this is something that then unites everything that we do, um, is the context for everything that we do, and then we can sort of focus on, on what, what, why do we come here on a Sunday, what, why do we do youth group, why do, why do we do give out food, like all, all these things that are actually aligned with this, that the goal is actually to see the kingdom of God realized, it's actually that God is king. And we want to see his kingdom come on earth. And we're going to do that by being a growing family, that God actually wants to work through a family, through a people um, that we call the church, um, and that we actually want to gather locally and live as family together. And this family is made up of people who are devoted followers of Jesus um, and who love him wholeheartedly and live as his people in the world. So we follow him, we love and worship him, and we represent him to the world. Um, and what we've been doing is just kind of breaking that down, um, really big ideas, what is the kingdom of God, what is the church, what does it mean to be family. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking through that and doing like big overview of, of the Bible through those themes. Um, what we're going to do now is kind of switch modes a bit and look at what we also have is a mission statement. And this is a statement that we've had for quite a while. Um, it's kind of like the tagline or the, the, just the, the summary of, of what the mission of Rivers is, and it's knowing, growing, going. And it's actually been that for a long time, um, but we're kind of just updating it a bit and combining it with that vision statement to give a bit more context. So it's actually that, that we want to be a, a church that sees the kingdom of God come, and to do that we're going to focus around three goals or three purposes, um, and they are knowing God and loving him wholeheartedly, that we want to focus on that. Everything is around that. Growing as devoted followers of Jesus together and going and living as his people in the world. So knowing, growing, going, but that kind of explains that, gives a bit more context. And I talked in the overview message a few weeks ago about how we need all of this. Like we can't pit one against another. It's not like we have a knowing section of the church and a growing and a going or or some people do knowing, and some people do going. It's like now everything, all of these, you can't really be separated, but we still want to kind of articulate them and, and, and bring them together. And there is in some way an order in the sense of that we start with God and knowing God that flows into following and growing to be like him, that flows into representing him and being the light in the world. And so basically for the next few weeks, I'm going to take each one of these and unpack it a bit more. What does this mean? What would it look like to, to focus on this as, as a goal, as a focus individually and as a church? So tonight, I'm just going to basically unpack kind of one step at a time, knowing God and loving him wholeheartedly. Uh, so that's where we're going for the next little bit. I'll kind of use different scriptures um, and, and quotes and stuff to kind of unpack that 
big idea. Um, so I'm going to pray, and then we'll kind of just, yeah, focus in um, just on this time. So yeah, well, Lord, we just thank you that you're present with us and for your word, uh, for your spirit. Thank you for the church that you've placed us in here, a community um, that we get to grow in knowing you and loving you together. And just pray, God, this next little bit of time, um, would you speak uh, to us? God, would you open our hearts and minds? Uh, would we respond to you? Uh, God, just free us from distractions. Um, speak into our hearts what we need to hear. And just lead us in your name, Jesus. Amen. Cool. So knowing God and loving him wholeheartedly. So we'll start with knowing God. Um, I don't know if you've ever done like the icebreaker thing uh, when people ask you, uh, like if you could invite a few people to dinner, who would you invite? Like if you could invite anyone from history, um, anyone famous, alive or dead, who, who would you want to invite to dinner? And it's kind of, I guess, an insight into people's values, into who people respect and, and look up to. And there's something really cool about the idea of getting to meet uh, someone who's had a huge influence in your life or someone who's maybe a celebrity or someone who's just done something amazing. Like, we can kind of know about them, but then to actually get to meet them uh, can be such a privilege and an, and an honour. And often when that happens, like, you tell people. Like, if you, do, if you end up meeting someone that you really look up to, maybe someone famous, uh, maybe someone significant, like, if you run into them at an airport... Like, most people will probably take a selfie and, like, put it on Facebook or, like, do a name drop or something like that. Like, like there's something, like, significant about that, um, actually coming to know someone. Um, maybe that, that sort of we wouldn't just see in the everyday. Um, even I just think about sometimes that I've had that happen when you've kind of just been around someone that you really look up to and just get to spend a bit of time with them. And there's just, like, a sense of, like, that's such a great privilege, um, just want to spend time with them, or just the fact that you got to talk to them a little bit is like really, really cool. Um, and that's like for humans, or, or people maybe that are famous or, or celebrities. But we have the opportunity to know not just about God, but to actually know God, to know Jesus, to not just hear about Him, but actually have relationship with him. Like him compared to the most famous person you can think of, that, that's amazing. We actually get to know him in relationship. And Jesus actually said that that's actually really what life is about. That's actually um, what really life is for. He says this in John 17, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. If Jesus is saying, what, what, is, what is eternal life? What is the best kind of life? It's actually a life where we know the creator God and we know Jesus who's sent from him. That actually, if it's a privilege to meet someone we look up to, what a privilege to know the God who is uncreated, who has lived forever. What a privilege to know Jesus and actually get to be with him and relate to him to have the Holy Spirit living in us and actually get to talk and know him in relationship. And sometimes we sort of can think like, oh, well, maybe we get really familiar with God and kind of like, oh, yeah, we just know God. Like, this just kind of can be casual even or just like a normal thing. But, but we're talking about knowing God. Like, we're talking about a being who has existed forever, who has no beginning, who has no end, who's uncreated, 
who, who has spoken universes, the universe into existence, who speaks the sun into existence, who, who is so much bigger than we could ever think. Uh, we try and understand just this world, and, and that's like, like the, the universe is so much bigger than that. And this God who is, who is holy, who is other, who is amazing, that that's the God that we're actually invited to know and actually have relationship with, that he actually reveals himself to us. It says this in John 1, No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Sometimes we think God just sounds like and feels like this, this distant being or this mystery, and there is mystery in God, and there is awe in God, but God has chosen to reveal himself. He actually has chosen to make himself known. And he's done it to people throughout history. We read about it in, this, in the scriptures. But the main way he's made himself known is through sending his son, who actually represents him who is God, and who represents God, and who reveals God. And we actually come to know who he is and what he's like. He's, in the same way, like, if, you, if you meet somebody, you can kind of study them you can, you can look at them and see what they look like. But the only way to actually get to know them is if they share themselves with you, if they actually tell you about themselves, if they actually tell their story, if they actually invite you into relationship. Like just by studying someone from a distance, you can't really know much about them. But if, but if they share with you, if they reveal themselves to you, you can trust and believe them and come to know them. And in a similar way, God has chosen to reveal himself to us to share himself, even, even coming to earth, to, to show himself as a human so that we can know him. And again, we sort of see Jesus and, and we can relate maybe easier with Jesus as, as a man who is God and he's come to reveal God. But at the same time, Jesus is, is also this amazing God who's, who's so much higher than we could imagine. There's this story um, in Revelation when John, so who wrote this, who knew Jesus very, very well, who was the disciple Jesus loved, who would just hang out with Jesus all the time, who, who had this close, intimate relationship with him, has this experience when he sees a vision of Jesus and he freaks out. It says this in Revelation 1, I, John, turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I saw, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, and he's trying to describe this thing that he saw. And it's like language is hard to even describe it. He describes him, he says, he's dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, Coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in its brilliance. And John, who knows Jesus, who's really good friends with Jesus, he says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. When he sees Jesus in his glory, he knows him really well, but at the same time, he doesn't know him, and there's this fear and this awe. He placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead, and now look, I'm alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys to death and Hades. Like Jesus reveals himself to us, but at the same time, Jesus is exalted 
And as this almighty God, this powerful being, full of wonder and awe and mystery, and we're invited to know him. It's not just a casual relationship. There's a closeness and an intimacy, but there's also this transcendence and this wonder and this reverence with God. Mark Bickle says this, the, the great need of the church is to see, know, and discover the indescribable glory of who God is and how he feels toward us, to recognize actually who God is. That he, he is God. <laughs> that, that, that's so much bigger and, and indescribable but that actually that God loves us and is interested in us and reveals himself to us, comes to earth and even dies for us, that actually we need to recognize and remember who he is, that we're actually invited to know that God, not just know about him, not just hear the stories or have information, but actually meet him and actually grow in relationship with him and actually experience him. And actually, that's what life is ultimately about. But at the same time, what we're saying is actually we don't want it just to be that we know him, but actually that we then love him and love him wholeheartedly. That if, that if he is this, this God who made everything, who's at the center of everything, that he would be the one that we actually love and desire more than anything else. Because we kind of think sometimes of humans as just as thinking people. Like we, we think and we have beliefs and that's true. And, and we, maybe we share what we believe and we say we believe this about God or we believe this about Jesus. And that's good. It's good to have beliefs that are, are aligned to, to reality. It's good to have beliefs that we've thought through and, 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 and embrace. But we are more than just thinking beings or people who believe stuff. In, in some ways, we're actually more so lovers. We actually live more from the heart often. And you know how you can kind of think something, but then act differently. You can kind of think, yeah, this would be right, but actually I really want this. Because actually often we live from the heart. We actually are worshippers. We're actually lovers. And we can't not worship. We can't not love. The question is just what will we worship and what will we love? And what we worship and what we love impacts then how we live. Actually, life flows a lot more from the heart than just from our, our thinking and what we believe. James K.A. Smith says this, Our wants and longings and desires are at the core of our identity, the wellspring from which our actions and behavior flow. He's saying what we want, what we love the most, what we desire the most, is actually what will impact then how we live and how we behave. And actually, we don't want to just believe about God or just know about God, or even just love God in, in a distant way, but actually love him, that he is the one that we want and desire the most, and therefore the one that we actually live and follow and live out of that. Jesus talks about this and, and talks about how this is actually the best thing for humans, the most important one, the most important command in, in the Old Testament, in the Bible, is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The most important thing is to not just believe in God, but to love God. And not just half-heartedly, but wholeheartedly, with everything, that everything would be about loving and knowing God. And he says that actually that flows into then how we relate to other people 
And the second is that you love your neighbor as yourself. Actually, if we love God, we love people. Those two things can't be disconnected. We see this in David, a man who, who knew God, but again, didn't just know him, but loved him. And actually, God was the desire of his heart. There's this great verse in Psalm 27 where David talks about this. He says, David, who's a king, right? David, who's a busy guy. David, who's got the whole of Israel to think about. David, who's way busier than any of us or got way more on his plate than any of us. But he says, one thing I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. David says, if there's one thing that I want, the thing that I love most is to be with God, is to be in his presence, is to adore him, is to think about him, is to grow in in knowledge of him, is to experience and encounter him. This this is amazing, right? A king who's who's got all that he wants, who's over a whole nation, and that he says the thing that he wants the most is God. That's what he desires above all. And this, this is what we want then. We're not just knowing about God or not just knowing God relationally, but actually then loving him, that he would be the one that we love and desire more than anything. And again, that is a journey and a process, but that's actually where we will be one day, that that's, that's what heaven will be like, that we see God and love him completely that there's nothing in between him. That's what humans are designed to be like, that we reflect and love this God. And now we seek to grow in that by his spirit and by his strength. But one, one um, way to help that, this is, J.I. Packer has just, this is just a quick practical kind of idea. How, how do we do this? How do we kind of, I guess it's almost like, how do you go from head to heart? How do we turn our knowledge about God into knowledge of God? How do we take facts we know about God and make them experiential that actually impact us that we can know him he says the rule for doing this is demanding but simple it's that we turn each truth that we learn about god into a matter for meditation before god leading to prayer and praise to god we might learn something about god that that he's generous that actually everything is a gift from god the whole creation the whole universe is a gift of generosity from god that he's given us all that we have. Anything good that we have is a gift from a generous God. That's the truth. But then we actually start to meditate on that and think, well, what do I have? That's actually been given to me by God. He's actually been faithful again and again. He's, he's generous. We meditate on that. And then that leads to prayer and thank you, God, for your generosity. Thank you for this blessing and to praise. And actually, we don't just sort of take information, but let it flow and lead into a relationship of trust and worship. So knowing God and loving him wholeheartedly, that actually what we are here to do as a community is to focus on that as the primary thing. That that's actually, in the sense, the primary need of humans is to know and love God. The primary issue of life is that we're disconnected from this God who we're made to live with and to love above all. But again, we might sort of think, well, it's kind of easy, again, just to sort of dumb it down and say, like, oh, yeah, that's good. I know God. Oh, I've got that covered. Or kind of just think of it as a small thing rather than as a very significant thing that's actually about all of life. But it actually is, and it's actually an adventure. Often we, we kind of 
want to approach life as adventure. Like kids love adventure. Kids love seeking um, exciting things or exploring. And sometimes that can kind of die down as you get older, but often there's still a sense there that actually we, we want to seek and search or we have longings and, and desires and, and we want the, to excitement and we want to discover things. And we actually see that the ultimate adventure is actually growing in knowledge of God. David writes in that psalm, you have said, God has said, seek my face. My, face, my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. God invites David to seek God, to know God. And David says, I will do that. I will seek to know you more and more. Because often, again, like in the same way we're, we're, we're lovers and we can't not love something, um, in some ways we're also seekers and we can't not seek something. We're, we're often seeking to be satisfied by something. And we, there's so many options for what that could look like. That people find it in, in money or in career or relationship that we just think, if I just have this little bit more, then I will be satisfied. If I just get to this stage, then I will be satisfied. And we can look to other things beside God. But actually, nothing except God, an unlimited eternal God, will satisfy our desire because we've been given a desire for Him, an eternal desire. And we know it, right? Because there's something that we want and we desire and we get it and it's not enough. There's something that we want and desire and we get it and it's not enough. Or we need it again and it's not enough. And actually, it's only in God that we find it. John Oberg says, what the soul truly desires is God. We may try to fill that need with other things, but the soul will be never satisfied without God. That actually life is about growing in trust and searching and knowing and relating to God. And actually that's what we deep down really want. Sometimes we're not even in touch with that. Sometimes we think we just want this, this thing over here that we think will satisfy, but actually there's a deeper desire for God to know him and trust him. J.O. Packer again talks about this life of adventure, of growing with God. He says, what makes life worthwhile is having a big enough objective, something which catches our imagination and lays hold of our allegiance. And this the Christian has found in a way that no other person has. For what higher, more exalted and more compelling goal can there be than to know God? We think life to be meaningful and exciting and adventurous needs to have some goal and like a big goal. It's, it's when it's about something significant and important and, and like imaginative. That, that, that is what drives us. And he's saying, actually, if life is about knowing God, that is an adventure. That actually goes on for all eternity that we keep growing in understanding and knowing and hearing and believing more and more of who he is. So this, this growing and knowing and loving God is, is an adventure. It's actually the path to life and satisfaction and joy. And we go and seek lesser things, but they, they, they fall short. They, they won't satisfy. But at the same time as it's an adventure, it's also a battle. Because again, we might sort of think, well, knowing God, that... That's maybe that sort of seems like, okay, we'll just do that quickly or just trust God. Like people have probably said that to you before. Like, it's fine, just trust God. And it's like, yes, but that's a battle. <laughs> that, that's often very difficult. 
That's not a small thing. In fact, in a lot of ways, that's the whole issue of life, is trusting God and believing God, even in difficulty, even in hardship, even in pain. And it's actually a struggle. It's a battle. Um, Paul talking about this, him battling or contending for the church and churches that he's looking after. He says to the church in Colossae, I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and those at Laodicea. It's like struggling. Like he's praying for them and struggling for them. He's standing with them in the battle in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. There's this, this, this struggling, battling, fighting language. And actually, to just trust God is, is, is difficult. And actually, if we want to grow in knowing him and loving him, it's going to be a battle. And Larry Crabb describes it like this. He says, the community of God, or the church, has no higher calling than to seize the opportunity to experience God. The main thing we're here for is to know experience God. He says, our fiercest battles are fought when we seek with all our heart to trust God so fully that we see every misfortune as something he permits and wants to use. To be able to have a heart that trusts him completely and believes him, and even when everything looks like he's not faithful, even when things are going bad, we trust that he is good. We believe and rely upon him even there. That's a battle. To know him so richly that we turn to no one and nothing else to experience what our souls long to enjoy. That we seek to know God and don't go to the lesser things when we need something. When we're not feeling satisfied, it draws us in longing to him, not to other things. That's a battle. When our hearts are drawn away to to lesser things, to other gods, to, to idols, to actually say, no, I want to know him and rely upon him for what he can give and trust and follow his way. To love him so completely and with such consuming passion that we hate anything that comes between us and eagerly give it up. That's a battle, to love God so that if there's something that's coming between us that we hate that thing, that we get rid of it, that we remove it, that we can't tolerate anything getting in the way of communion and trust and love with God. And you might be listening and it's like, okay, well, I'm not there. And that's, that's okay. And that's, that's kind of the point. It's like that to, to live that way is a struggle, is a battle, requires God's spirit, requires a community of people, requires standing together. It's not just this small little just trust God. It's, it's, it's a battle with, with difficulties and spiritual forces that are against that, that want us to not trust him, that want us to believe lies about him. It, it's a full-on battle to trust and know him in this way. And especially like he says in those quotes, when things go wrong, um, we kind of know that life is hard and there's all sorts of different issues that even people here tonight will be having. And facing, everyone's in some ways facing a struggle of some kind, a battle of some kind. And it's easy for us to think or be consumed by that, whatever that is, whether it's a, about, about a job or finances or whether it's about a relationship, whether it's an emotional thing, whether it's, whether it's a, a life direction thing, whatever it is, there's significant battles and issues that we face. But the true battle is to not be consumed primarily with that. But no matter what happens, no matter what's going on, 
that the true battle is to trust and know him in the midst of it, no matter what. And there's actually an opportunity because it means that whatever happens, the true issue can still be good. And actually, whatever goes wrong, it can actually be fueled to know and love God more. This is what J.R. Packer again says, once you become aware that the main business you are here for is to know God, most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. It says if the main thing is knowing God, we're going to have a whole lot of issues that are real legitimate issues, but they're not the main issue. And actually, even in the midst of them, there might be opportunity to know God better and trust and grow closer to him. Actually, sometimes in tragedy, we experience him in a different way. And, and there's actually an opportunity. And that's, that's a full-on battle. Like, that's not just simple or easy. It, it's, a, it's a struggle. But there's opportunity. So knowing God and loving him wholeheartedly is significant. Jesus says is what is eternal life, is an adventure of life that we seek to know him above all and love him above all is a battle. And there's things that come against that. There's struggles of faith and, and doubt and experience, temptation. To stand against and trust to know him is a battle. But we want that to be the goal. But actually that's the center, knowing God and loving him wholeheartedly. And you might be listening today and, and even I've kind of been feeling a bit um, preparing this message, this sense of like two things. One, one thing is kind of like, okay, all right, I better get going and start to know God better. Like get a psych up and, and, and work hard and like, like get into it. And, and there's something about that that just doesn't feel right or, or good. And it's kind of like, okay, well, we got to make this happen. Um, and often maybe we do that or try that and realize, well, actually, maybe it doesn't feel like we know God very well or actually we love these other things a lot more and they seem a lot more desirable than God. And actually we kind of can get into a place of almost despair and, well, okay, I don't really seem to know God or love God very well. And so we either kind of go, okay, it's all on us. We've got to psych this up and make it happen. Or we sort of go, oh, well, now we don't seem to really have much to offer and we kind of can despair and, and lose hope. And both of those kind of put this goal on us, that we have to try and know God and love him, that we have to work up something. And either we try and do it and we make some progress or we try and do it and we fail, but it's about us. But the good news is that that's not where we start. The good news is that we actually start with him and his posture towards us. That God, the creator, uncreated God of love and truth and goodness, he knows us. He knows everything about us. He knows me. He knows you. He made you. He knows you intimately more than we know ourselves. And he desires relationship with us. He, he pursues us. He seeks us. He, he calls us. And this God, who knows us, and he even knows all the struggles and all the sin and the failure and the flaws in us, he loves us. He doesn't love us because of us. He loves us because of him, because he is love. And he cares and has affection and desire and love for us. And so much so that he would 
go to the greatest lengths to demonstrate that by taking our pain and sin and the things that we've done that block our relationship with him, the consequences on himself, and bear it and be crucified and die in love to bring us back into relationship with him. That, that he loves us like that. He knows us and he loves us and he wants us to know him and love him in return. You see, it starts with him. He takes the first move. He makes the first step. It's not that God's up here and we've got to work something out to get, to get up to him. It's he comes down and he comes to us and he calls us and we surrender and we give up. And we ask him to shape us and change us. It says this in 1 John, we love because he first loved us. And it's when we start to recognize that, well, God's present. It's not that he's just this far away being that we've got to somehow make our way to. He's here. He's present with us. He's, he knows us. He loves us. And it's when we start to see that, it starts to shape us and grow us and soften our hearts towards him. So we don't focus on us and how do, we, how do we know and love him. We focus on him and the fact that he knows and loves us. Again, Mike Bickle says it this way, we will never have more passion for God than we understand that he has for us. We will never be more committed to God than our understanding of his commitment to us. It's actually as we understand and grow in knowing just how passionate and how much love and commitment God has to us, that then our hearts grow in knowledge and love and commitment towards him. It's actually receiving, trusting him, and actually we say like, yeah, we don't, maybe we don't feel that much love for him or for other things. Instead of just getting down on ourselves, we come honestly before him and recognize he loves us in that place. We're poor and we need him and he loves us and he forgives us and he calls us and we respond to him, to his first move. He's the ultimate seeker, seeking us and calling us to himself. So we want to be people who are focused, as in a sense the goal of and the, the primary thing in life is to know him. And not just to know him, but to love him. And that it's actually in response to who he is and what he's done in us. As we respond tonight, we're going to respond with communion um, and, and a great way to practically remind ourselves that he has made the first move. He has loved us wholeheartedly, offering himself completely to us. It, 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 people who don't deserve him, who were his enemies, who he goes to the cross for to rescue. And we, we take the biscuit representing his body broken and, and the juice representing his blood shed and we take his life into us afresh and receive his forgiveness, receive his grace, and let that shape our hearts to love him more. So we're going to take that in a moment, and then we're going to sing a few songs. We've got some more time to respond in worship, and a great opportunity to just enjoy his presence, respond to him, to seek him, to love him. And um, as, as we do that um, tonight, I might stand up the back, and we might even have just a couple of other people who'd like to stand up the back, and if you'd like prayer, if, if there's something that you're sort of saying, well, maybe I don't really have that desire for God and I want to have that, you should come and have prayer or just something that maybe God is saying to have prayer for. You can come up the back and, and love to pray with you. And maybe even you're listening tonight and you're sort of feeling something 
of God just calling. And maybe you haven't really known him. Or haven't really known that God is noble. Or known that God loves and, and has come to rescue us in Jesus. And he's alive and he's present and he, he wants a relationship with you. Maybe you haven't really heard that. Or maybe that hasn't really dropped in your heart before. And there's something that happens when God calls us. In a sense, he comes to us and, and says, follow me, trust me, believe me. And sometimes we, we kind of can get a sense of that, and it's God inviting us to relationship with him, inviting us to receive his forgiveness, inviting us to trust and live this life with him. And if he's doing something tonight, if you're sensing his call, maybe that hasn't happened before, maybe it's the first time, just encourage you to, to respond to him, encourage you to, to open yourself to him, encourage you to trust and believe, and just say, Jesus, I trust you, I give my life to you, Forgive me, I want to follow you, and just let him call and respond. And if you'd like prayer in, in that space at all, we'd love to pray for you. Please come at the back afterwards as well. So let's, let's stand together and, and let's just engage with this time um, of, of communion when you're ready. So there's no rush to respond to communion. We've got plenty of time. Um, you can come any time over the next few songs. Um, and then enjoy worship and come for prayer and please pray with each other. Let's just respond to to God. Um, Yeah, Father, thank you that you love us and know us. Thank you that you're present with us now and we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come and make your presence known. Um, God, that you are active that you are calling, uh, that you are leading. God, you call us and want us to give up resisting you, to give up hiding from you, to give up trying to find life in anything else apart from you. So, Father, would you come and do what you want to do in our hearts tonight? Uh, Shape us to be a people who know you and love you above all, that you would be our God and we would be your people. So have your way tonight, God. Um, Meet us here, we pray. Um, And would you just be known for who you are and loved for who you are, and would you just reveal to us more and more what you're like and your passion and your love and your grace toward us, and we find life in you more and more. So Holy Spirit, come and have your way. Uh, Meet with us tonight, we pray. Amen.